everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. I'm your host, Mark Cazzini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. Every two weeks, I connect with PMMs all over the world about a product marketing topic of their choice. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Shireen Shaheen, Product Marketing Leader and Consultant. Before setting out on her own, Shireen cut her product marketing teeth at large enterprise companies like Constant Contact and Brightcove. It was at Brightcove that Shireen realized she wanted to change, at which point she left her director of product marketing role to begin her career as an independent consultant. As a consultant, Shireen works with small to mid-sized companies who are looking to set the foundation of product marketing within their teams. She also provides one-on-one coaching to product marketing professionals who are newer to the role and or need more support or guidance in goal setting for their specific function. During our chat, Shireen and I chat about the emergence of product marketing within the consulting space, where and when product marketing consultants tend to offer the most value to clients, and unique challenges that come with running your own consulting practice. Before I get into the episode, I've got some exciting news to share from the Product Marketing Alliance. Are you wondering how to align the product marketing function at your organization? Do your internal teams have little or no understanding of what product marketing is and the benefits you bring to the fore? Are you sick of being misunderstood? Product Marketing Alliance's brand new book, Misunderstood, features firsthand knowledge, techniques, and case studies to help you demystify product marketing, elevate the function, and gain the recognition you and fellow PMMs deserve. Learn how to effectively communicate the value you bring to key processes such as positioning, personas, segmentation, OKRs, and gain supplementary intel from the likes of Privy, G2, Hotjar, Intercom, Zendesk, Adobe, and Drift. Misunderstood is packed with takeaways that'll propel the value of your role and the overall importance of the PMM function and isn't to be missed. Get your copy at pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. That's pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. Hey, Shireen, how's it going? Hey, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining. Super excited to have you here. Same. Thank you. Uh, so let's get into it then. Would you mind uh, taking me through your career journey so far and what ultimately led you to, you know, found your own product marketing consultancy? Yeah, um, thank you for asking. So I've been in product marketing about, let's see, pre my consultancy about seven or eight years. And I was in various different corporate positions. Um, Constant Contact is where I started. And then I last ended at Brightcove. Um, so in the B2B SaaS space. At my last role, um, I was both individual contributor and then I ended up managing a team of four people, loved it. I had a rock star team, which made it easier for me. And ultimately, I think what I really realized is I, that I'm going to shorten it up because it's obviously a little bit of a longer story, but I was not really um, interested in going up the corporate ladder. Titles are not a big deal for me. I realized going up the ladder in a corporation and product marketing or any role, perhaps, I would actually just be in more meetings, more red tape, more politics, and doing less of the work that I love. So in thinking through that, I thought to myself, okay, I've done individual contributor roles. I've done management position. Really great to have that experience. I give so much credit to that experience. But what is next for me? And when I really thought through that, I wanted to do the product marketing work that I really enjoy. Wanted to have a little bit more variety in my work and a little bit more autonomy in my work. So 
fast forwarding a little bit, I talked to a lot of my mentors, past supervisors, which was just so valuable to have these conversations and came to the conclusion that I'm going to try to start my own consultancy. Um, And so I left June or July, it was end of June, 2019 from Bright Cove and started my own consultancy then. Thanks so much for sharing that. I think it's such a an astute observation and realization to have so early on in your career to say, you know what, I could do this whole, you know, corporate regression thing. I could, I could climb the ladder as it were the, the jungle gym, I, I think is the new analogy that gets thrown mm-hmm. around by people leaders. Um, but maybe that's, yeah, like you said, just not where you wanted to see yourself, not super important for you. And I, I like that insight of the more you progress, the more meetings you find yourself in. I think that's such like a practical way of framing it. I'm yeah. sure there are many people who had this vision of themselves progressing to senior leadership positions and doing some really exciting, challenging work and finding themselves just in nonstop back-to-back meetings. Like I look at some of the senior managers that I work with in mm-hmm. my current role and some of their calendars, and it's just nonstop. I don't know how they managed to get anything done. Oh, it's insane. And not to say that I'm not in meetings now. Obviously, the more clients I have, I'm in many meetings. However, the biggest difference is I'm in meetings that I need to be in. It's the work that I'm doing. It's the work I really care about. Um, so definitely it's part of my reason was to kind of establish more freedom around choice. I guess that's a better way to say it. Cause not like I don't have meetings, but I do feel like a lot, a lot of times as you just work up the ladder, you know, maybe it's an assumption, but it sounds like you agree. Like you are doing less of the actual work. If you think about it, you are being more strategic, which is super cool. And you learn a lot in those roles that I probably haven't learned yet, but it was just a choice that I wanted to do this work. And that's what really excites me versus other leadership type positions. So, yeah. I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And on the topic of learning, I think oftentimes, or at least maybe this is my own personal feeling, when I see or hear about people getting into consultancy or starting their own business, the assumption often is, well, in order to do that, I would need 10, 15, 20 years of experience before I felt comfortable or ready. And it sounds based on your own experiences, after doing product marketing for six to seven years, you felt it was the right time. And I think the timing, as you described, it made a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm curious, how did you know that it was the right time? Did you feel like you had accomplished certain things you'd wanted to do in a corporate setting? And now yeah. you had done enough to kind of warrant that transition? I'm curious what the thought process was there. Yeah, I love that question. So um, one uh, piece of advice I actually got from a past manager and I always remember this and I always tell people this is whether you're looking to start your own consultancy or just looking to switch a role, the question he asked me was, is your story done there? So like, what is your story at that company? Are there more chapters left? And so I love it. Like when he said that to me, I was like, Oh wow. I love to think about this as my story. So when I was at Bright Cove and I was there almost four years. So I got some great experience, promoted twice. Um, again, like I said, got a management um, position as well, got to hire, all these things. And I thought to myself, okay, I sort of feel like my story is done. Like, I don't know what else I would do at least here um, to add more to that story. So that's one. The other is I started, as far as like noticing the need, I started to mentor and I still do for an organization called Techstars. So completely pro bono. And I do mentoring for early stage startups that are part of the accelerator program. 
And I did this actually while I was at Bright Cove. So I think that that actually also helped me validate that there is a need for some positioning work, messaging work at an earlier stage company, but, but I don't need to be full time. So that was also an assumption I had or a fear probably is a better word. A fear that I had was, is somebody going to hire me part-time? Like I've never done this part-time. I've always done a full-time product marketing is a full-time job. So I may be segueing to some, another topic, but that experience mentoring gave me, um, validation. So those two together, my story being done, and then, uh, the mentoring experience, I think gave me that confidence and validation. I love that. I think that's incredible advice. Hats off to the individual who gave it to you. I think, (laughs) you know, oftentimes in product marketing, we talk about our products and services in the context of the story or the the story we want to tell to our customers about our products and services, but we rarely take a step back to think about our own story. So I think that's great framing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I think the other insight that I'll just quickly draw out of that mentorship experience, and I'm not sure if you even realize it yourself, I think sometimes it's safer to take a risk when you know not necessarily the stakes aren't as high, but you're not going to lose your paying gig if things don't pan out. Obviously, in a mentorship position, you want to give good advice and see the person you're mentoring succeed. But if if you don't feel like you've given the best advice or maybe even, you know, oh, I gave this advice and it didn't turn out as well as it could have gone, you're not going to lose your job over it, right? So I think having that kind of safety, I'm sure, I know if at least speaking personally, I there's a little bit more security in, in that um, the stakes are not necessarily not as high, but you're not going to, at the end of the day, lose your job over it. Yes. And another thing, I agree fully with that. And um, when you are mentoring, you are naturally seen as an expert. You're brought in as an expert, which doesn't mean you have zero experience. You're going to do great mentoring. No, you're brought in as an expert. They are seeking this insight from you. So it's a, yeah, to your point, it's a very low risk situation to validate an idea, gain some confidence, create a network. So I've, I've actually, you know, been doing some coaching of other people who want to start consultancies and I've been telling them, can you volunteer and do some pro bono mentoring as a way to get into it? I think that's great advice. I also think that's good advice for anyone looking to take the next step in their own product marketing journey into a management position. I know the Product Marketing Alliance offers a mentorship program where product marketers can sign up to either be mentors or be mentored. So if you're looking to, as an individual contributor, explore opportunities that are a little bit lower risk to provide coaching, provide some guidance, be seen as an expert, I think taking on a mentorship role is a great way to do that. Yeah. Oh, 100% agree. I actually forgot that the Alliance had that. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get on to my next question here. There seems to be, I don't know if emergence is the right word, but more of a awareness of product marketing focused agencies and independent freelance consultants lately. I'm curious, why do you think the role of product marketing lends itself so well to an agency or freelance based approach? Um, well, yeah, well, I think we are biased being in the product marketing world um, that we are seeing it more, more in product marketing, but I actually think I'm seeing it more generally, um, not just in product marketing. So I'm not sure it's because it's product marketing. I will say if you have an expertise and very specific deliverables and projects that 
you feel you can bring to an organization, I feel you can be a consultant in it. So I'm sort of not fully answering your question, but I think it's not just product marketing, to be honest. I think anything where you have an expertise and the most important thing I would say, and I always advise this, is be really concrete about your services and your offering and your deliverables so that um, clients really know what they're going to receive. That's the only way I believe to make consulting successful is being really specific like that. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's fair, obviously, because I kind of live and breathe product marketing every single day. And as I'm sure you do as well, yeah. you're kind of exposed to just those, those product marketing pockets. So yeah, I think you're right. The, you know, the ability for individuals to, to start their own, whether you want to call it a side hustle, not a term that I personally love, but you know, whatever yeah. you want to call it, or you want to go into it full time, you know, there, there are, there have never been more ways to, to do that, whether it's with established platforms, whether it's going out on your own and, you know, working with clients that you could find through networking, whether it's through LinkedIn or social circles or your local, you know, area. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. It's becoming more and more of a thing. And I think it's, it's, it's great. It allows people, you know, just like yourself who realize, Hey, maybe this corporate setting isn't what I want to do long-term. I want to go out on my own yeah. and I want to do things the way that I want to do them for myself. I think that's um, fantastic. And it's up to everyone's individual, I guess, risk tolerance. I know speaking myself, it's an area that I've explored and considered maybe yeah. just based on where I am in my own life and my own, you know, risk tolerance per se. I haven't taken the leap as of yet, but yeah. uh, for others, I think it's an incredible opportunity to, to step out on your own. Yeah. And I, I will say as far as product marketing goes to answer that more specifically, I do think product marketing has been a great credit to product marketing Alliance for this, but visibility has great, has really grown. Um, and because of that, I mean, so different even from three years ago, to be honest. And I think three years ago when I started consulting, I could probably name two other people that were doing it and that's it. I could probably name now two agencies, two or three other individuals and probably more. I don't even know. So that I think I give credit to product marketing becoming much more of a needed function in organizations. And I think organizations have both learned more about the function and realize the need for the function. So hence why I think more people are becoming consultants in it too, because they're seeing it as an opportunity to do what they love, but not have to do it full time because there's just more need for it. There's more demand. Yeah, I think you're 100% right there. And especially for companies who might not necessarily have the budget today to bring someone in-house full-time to take on those responsibilities right. and their existing existing marketing bench straight might not have the skills that they feel a product marketer would bring to the table, whether it's, you know, positioning and messaging chops, whether it's competitive Intel, you know, the whole yeah. scope of things that a product marketer can bring to the table. Companies might start off with a growth hire. They may start off with a demand gen hire with focusing on content and yeah. depending on where that company is in their own growth, bringing in a full-time hire might not be feasible. So I think you're right. Yeah. Um, Companies being more aware that product marketing is a thing and that is a thing that can be a gap in your company has has led to uh, an emergence of, of more and more of these, um, as you said, agencies and independent consultants um, that are adding real value. Oh, 100%. And you touched on something else. I think more often than not, I'm seeing companies who are looking for consultants in product marketing, more often than not, they're looking for that more foundational help. Like they don't have product marketing yet. That's been my experience. Or... They have maybe one person that's in product marketing, maybe a little bit more junior level. They need someone to come in more strategic, set some of the foundation, even I've even helped um, 
companies with hiring. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting to see kind of, um, where the needs are, but you, you nailed it that I think it's mostly, you know, they need some help setting things up and typically it's not the first full-time hire anyway, which sort of lends itself well to being a product marketing consultant. I think that idea of helping a company identify what product marketing should look like at their organization is a really good opportunity mm-hmm. for individuals such as yourself and other, you know, consultants to provide insight on. That's something that I had never come across or had considered, but I think that's such a good insight. If, if you are a founder or you're starting your own business or you're the head of a marketing team and you don't know what good product marketing looks like or what skills to look for a product marketer, having someone who's been there, done that, has lived and breathed it for their entire career is a great perspective to bring in to say, Hey, these are the things you should be looking for. These are the, you know, the skills you should be assessing and yeah. maybe even going as far as reviewing resumes, sitting in interviews. I think that's a great um, uh, area for companies to explore if they're looking to bring in a consultant. Yes. And this is where that um, I give so much credit to the companies I've worked at because without that experience, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. So yes, I sort of say I was done with corporate, didn't want to, you know, kind of grow the ladder, go up the ladder anymore. But the truth is without that experience, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have the confidence to, to advise teams on how to hire and build a product marketing team. It's because I've done it and made mistakes and learned that I feel, and I'm always learning. So I never like to say that, oh, I know it all. No, I think that's not a good attitude at all. But I think that I feel confident enough to help, especially with the early stages of product marketing. To be honest, and this will be like a more vulnerable statement, if I was working with a company that had 40 product marketers and I might not be a fit for them, I may be like, you know what? I've actually never worked with a company that has 40 product marketers. I, oh my God, I don't know. Maybe I need to learn more before I can work with you. So I'm saying that because I think it's important to have this niche. And I, I think I do. And I really like doing that early foundational work. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and again, this is an, it's something that I bring up often. And, and more recently, I feel like in conversations I've had with guests on the show is the same way that we as product marketers approach our products and services, we should be approaching ourselves. Talked about it, whether it's your own career yeah. story, as you suggested earlier, but also, as you just also said, your own niche. Like, what is the one thing that, or one or two or three things that you can bring to the table as a product marketer, whether it's in a consultant um, capacity, whether it's as a hire, that you can do better than anybody else. And identifying that differentiation in that niche is what's going to help you get those opportunities, get those new clients, get those roles that others are not as well suited for. Yes, yes, 100%. I think be having a niche or niche, however you say that word, uh, yes. <laughs> is uh, a really important. Um, I think as a consultant, and I guess this is product marketing talk, actually, who is your target audience? Who do you really want to work with? What do you offer that's different from other consultants? Um, I think I'm still kind of refining that. But for me, I think it is that foundational work. And I've seen that's been a big need. So I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you you know, you touched on some of the things that you've learned in your own career and in your own experiences as a consultant. I'm sure there were some highs and some lows. Uh, would you mind sharing what some of the inherent challenges that come with being a freelance consultant that are specific to product marketing that perhaps consultants focusing in other areas of, of marketing or more broadly, the business might not have to experience? Yeah. So I think with product marketing, I probably only have one or two um, main challenges. So product marketing, product being in the title, I think getting to know the product is harder when you're not full-time. Um, 
a little bit more equalized now in that we are, you know, whether you're, we're all sort of hybrid or remote. So it's a little bit more equalized now in that sense. But I think getting to know the product is so critical for our role and probably harder to do um, as a consultant, but not impossible. You can still learn the product. You can get a login. You need to go play with it. You need to kind of, what's the word? Like establish your own onboarding for it. Um, So that's one. The other is getting to know team members. But even this one, I think now we are more equalized given the remote world that most of us are still in. Yes, there's some people going into the office. But as you know, um, being a, a successful product marketer is very dependent on the people we work with. And so getting to know those people really well, cross-functionally, is so key for our role. It comes back to that first week or so of onboarding for yourself and really getting to know the team, the key stakeholders you're going to work with. No, you're probably not going to need to know everyone at the company or you won't know as many as when you were working full-time at a company, but you don't need to. You need to really partner with Couple a couple key stakeholders in marketing, in sales, and product, ultimately. And of course, whoever your main point of contact is and establishing that relationship. So those are probably the two main challenges as it relates to product marketing. As a consultant, there's other challenges. Yes, um, which, which I can share a bit if you'd like, but which, which cross anyone that's starting a new business. But as far as product marketing goes, that's how I would answer that. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's great. On the topic of getting to know your stakeholders and, and really, you know, establishing a relationship, how early on in a potential engagement would you assess for something like that? Have you ever been mm. approached by a prospective client or started early talks and met members of the broader team and felt like, um, you know what, I could already sense that working with this particular individual is going to make this engagement incredibly challenging. Maybe this isn't something that I want to pursue. Oh, yeah. No, I like that question. Um, so sometimes prospective clients will bring in others for the interview process. Um, You're actually reminding me it's probably a good idea for me even to proactively ask to meet others on the team. I actually typically don't. What I do ask is what does the team look like? How big is sales? How large is the product team? How large is marketing? And I'm not asking that in order to be like, oh, I'm only going to work if there's 20 people in sales and you have a very well-established sales team. No, I've worked with teams that were six people, like the whole company was six people. So the reason I asked that is so I can best prepare sort of like my own audit, like what do they currently have? And it gives me a sense of where their challenges are and where by asking those kinds of questions, you can better understand where they are today. Likely the type of work they're probably going to have because of that. Like, for example, if I know they have a pretty small sales team, probably they're going to need a lot of sales enablement, Um, things that can really help them scale. They have two to three people on sales, probably not a lot of resources, as an example. So I like to get a sense, but really interesting you said that because I'm thinking I should probably meet more of the team, actually. I typically interview with the one main point of contact, sometimes one other person, but not always more than that. And I like the idea (laughs) of meeting more because we're going to work so closely with them. And I actually don't do that, but I might start doing that. There you go. Maybe you can kick off some internal client speed dating, get, you know, five to 10 minutes, which there you go. stakeholders. Yeah. Well, cause you're right. In the end, we're also interviewing them. Um, exactly. 
If you have the luxury to be choosy with your clients, which maybe when you first start out, it's harder to do that. I was not as choosy when I first started. But as you go and you have more work on your plate, you you start to really um, want to prioritize more, I would say, the clients you work with. For sure, for sure. And I just wanted to quickly jump back to the other part of your response to my previous question around, you know, getting really in-depth understanding of the product. And I think to your point about, you know, this hybrid work environment, things being equalized, it's never been easier to, as you said, play around with the product. I also think it's never been easier to engage with customers. Maybe that's not necessarily the case for every product or service out there, but because you're able to quick hop, hop on a phone call or a Zoom call, no longer do you have to go face-to-face to meet with a yeah. large enterprise client or what, you know, insert type of client here um, that you can, you can hear it from the customer's perspective a lot more easier than I think we ever could even five, 10 years ago. Um, so I think that's really helped. I would imagine someone in your position get up to speed on the product, not just from the internal experience perspective, yeah. but also from the customer's perspective as well. Oh, totally. Um, the only thing I would add there, and this is a preference I have personally for my business is I've actually been asked before to do, you know, user research or more like customer interviews. And I'm fine doing that. I think just a tip or a best practice I would share is try not to get caught in the act of recruiting those customers because I've done it in the past. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, I choose not to do it in my practice and my consulting business. It just takes so much time and effort. So that's a personal choice. Some people might love that part. Uh, but I think finding the customers it's best suited with somebody internal who has those relationships, whether it's CS or support or even sales um, to do that. But to your point, you're right. I think it's a lot easier now where you don't have to, um, I'm, you're reminding me of the days we would go meet customers in person, which I sort of miss too. But now, yes, you can just get on a video call and speak to a customer, which is great. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for a change of scenery or just meeting new people face-to-face yeah. over drinks or in an office, for sure. Um, I know that was when I briefly worked in an agency, a, a big appeal of the job was to get to see all these companies and their offices and how they work and how these different office dynamics play out in a physical space. But, yeah. you know, it definitely... I would imagine is a relief to not have to, you know, be on a plane five days out of the week to have to fly all over the country, depending on the clients you work with them yeah. sure, but, um, and where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I do miss that. My first client was actually in Boston. So it was so nice. I would go couple, this was pre COVID cause I left, I started my business six months before COVID hit. So I got a little bit of that experience of going to a client. Um, and that was really cool because I had, I had a little bit of FOMO being a consultant and all my friends and my whole network was still working in corporate I was like, okay, well, I'm home all the time and this is a little bit weird. And then COVID hit and everything, everyone was home. But I do miss some of that. It was, it was nice to go in the office and meet with sales and we would whiteboard together, even though I was a consultant. It was awesome. Yeah, I think universally, that's the one thing I've heard most commonly said by people who are in this hybrid model now is I just miss grabbing an office and whiteboarding with people. Like just having a visual representation of ideas and mind yeah. mapping and processes yeah, I've yet to find a tool that I think replicates that in an online setting. I know Miro is one that gets used yeah. often. There's 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 options out there, but I personally, I it's you know, obviously there's an audio podcast. The listeners can't see this, but just off camera here, I've got a big whiteboard where I do a lot of my thinking on, on uh, there. And uh, yeah. yeah, I think I, I think a lot of people miss that that aspect. Yeah, oh, I do too. Yeah, I was going to say Miro is is great, but it's it's not the same as getting everyone together and um, brainstorming together. So I do miss that. And one of my clients, we've done some on sites, everyone's remote, 
but we met in Toronto recently and five of us got together and did, did a session. So there's ways, there's ways to bring it in. You just have to be very proactive to like get the team together. But again, I, I find it, I'm so grateful to have that opportunity as a consultant to do that sometimes. For sure. For sure. So I'll jump to my next question here. And you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but maybe if we can dig a bit deeper, what do you feel within the product marketing are some of the most common areas of focus that get requested by clients? You mentioned that, you know, you tend to really enjoy working with organizations that are either just spinning up product marketing or are just coming wise to what product marketing can add to their, to their product or service or their, or their org more broadly. Mm -hmm. What are some of those aspects that commonly get requested? Yeah. So again, I might be biased because this is the clients I like to work with, but I have seen inbound these needs. So setting up a product marketing foundation, helping prioritize what that function looks like, what the team should look like, how to prioritize the work when a team is just starting. That's a big one. And in that is like the interviewing and I've helped with interviewing. I know I don't do the recruitment part, but I, I enjoy actually helping interview. Um, and I love being a part of the team in that way. Um, and then I would say positioning and messaging kind of makes sense when you're setting up the foundation. I typically always ask a prospective client, tell me about your positioning that you have in place. Who is involved in that process? Is this documented somewhere? Are key stakeholders aligned on the positioning? And I just kind of see where they're at with that before I even signed on. I've signed on with them. And then messaging as a nice segue from internal positioning. Usually they're looking for some customer facing messaging. And then lastly, lastly, as far as the highest priority I've heard would be sales enablement. So any team, and I, and I typically focus B2B. So I typically have a sales team because of that. Um, B2C would probably be a little bit different, but sales, um, always sales enablement almost always comes up. I need collateral. I need some tools for my sales team. They need a pitch deck. They need more of a product narrative. Um, potentially a demo video, which I don't create the video, but, but putting together what that narrative and script looks like is definitely, I think something we as product marketers do. So those are probably the top. The last one I would say is launches. So depending on the scope of the work, I have actually been involved in launching products, which is a very embedded higher scope project. So I've been reached out saying I have a launch coming up in six months, three months, whatever it may be can you help launch this? And that can be a project in and of itself, as you can imagine. So yeah, I would say, I'm trying to think if I'm missing anything. Those would be foundational work, positioning, messaging, sales enablement, launches. Those are probably the, the top ones I've seen. Um, but again, maybe that's because I tend to like to work with companies that don't have product marketing as set up. This might change because I think more and more companies do have product marketing <laughs> compared to three years ago. So I'm actually curious how my own business might, my own business and the projects I work on might actually need to start to shift. We'll see. I don't have an answer to that one yet. Yeah. Maybe that's a great reason to have you back on a couple of years from now to see how your, yes. you know, the type of work <laughs> you're doing has evolved over time as product marketing has become more and more of a thing at a broader range of companies. I, I thank you for sharing that. I think it makes a lot of sense when you think about it in the context of priorities for an org when they're bringing in or thinking about product marketing. Typically, as you said, you got to start with the positioning and messaging. Without that, you really can't do much else from a product marketing perspective. It, it kind of is like the North Star that directs really all the work you should be doing. Yeah. And then I think obviously, yet yeah, to your point, messaging, next logical extension of the positioning work. And I think 
the sales enablement piece also makes a ton of sense because outside of the company's website, if they have a, a sales team and they are in a B2B space, that is the most outwardly facing version of that positioning and messaging work that you would have done. So yeah. if they can't really like articulate that positioning and messaging in a sales setting, yeah. um, especially if they don't have product marketing in-house already or have thought of it in that way, that's a big gap that needs to be filled. So I think that makes a ton of sense. Yes. And you remind me of another one, but I guess it hasn't been as big because there's typically maybe a website team or head of marketing that owns this one more, but messaging, website messaging is 100% needed as well. I typically partner with somebody in marketing for that, but this is where that messaging document is so great is they reference those documents that we as product marketers put together. So um, yeah, I would say website messaging is another place. But what I also always like to clarify is we as product marketers are not copywriters. I always say this on my calls and I'm curious your opinion actually on this, but I don't like to pigeonhole myself that I'm going to do a lot of copywriting. I'm personally not super skilled at that. And I know that about myself. I can work on messaging frameworks, reference documents, even some examples of copy. But I always like to say that because I have seen prospective clients want that. So kind of another maybe tip is if you do have that skill and you want to get into consulting, say that because I think a lot of clients actually do like that. And maybe I should take a copywriting course or something because people do want that a lot. Um, I like to say that because I don't like to set the expectation that I'm going to work on positioning and a messaging framework and then go write the tagline for your company. I can definitely make suggestions. I think I'm good enough at that. But yeah, I don't know what your opinion is on that. And like product marketers being copywriters and content writers. I know there's been some debate about that. Oh, I, I honestly think you're spot on. And I think you're right. A lot of companies, especially if they're just waking up to product marketing being a function that could add value, mm -hmm. oftentimes messaging and copywriting becomes confused as the same thing. And you're right, they are not. Copywriting in and of itself, in the same way that I think product marketing is its own discipline, copywriting is its own discipline. Copywriting yeah. can change so dramatically depending on the context, who you're speaking to, where it's showing up, whether it's the website and the sales deck, as you, you know, the examples that you um, had given, how much space we have to work with, how many words can we use, what are our character limits? And I think that's such a unique skill that a lot of product marketers kind of learn by being forced into doing it. That's how I've developed copywriting skills, obviously yeah. not as strong as an actual copywriter. Um, so I think, I think that's often what happens is because companies just assume that the same thing and they just ask the product marketer to do it, that product marketers get very skilled at writing. I would say maybe more long form copy. I know, again, speaking personally, mm -hmm. I prefer to do more long form copy. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's just because I spent a couple of years in my undergraduate degree in social sciences, having to write God knows how many essays got very good at writing at writing for that reason. Um, but on the topic of, of content, I think that's more of a, a hotly debated topic. I think from yeah. depending again on how your marketing team is set up and, and again, how big the team is, I strongly believe that content is again, its own thing that should be handled independently. Not every company has a luxury of doing that. So mm -hmm. I think as product marketers, you have to be prepared and willing to take on content work, but yeah. as the company scales, I think content, and I, I've seen it at, at places that I've worked in my career, having a dedicated content specialist just takes like, it, it just, I don't know, like it exponentially increases the, the effectiveness and impact of that content. 100%. I'm so glad you said that. Um, I typically feel like I have to educate 
companies on that. Um, and then they're like around the difference between a copywriter and like, what is messaging? I said, you took words out of my mouth that I always say like copy on a LinkedIn post is very different than a blog post, than a website page, depending on what page on the website even matters, all of that. So I totally agree, but I do also really like something else you said is we need to be, you said we need to be prepared to write. I really like that because you are right. We need to be prepared and willing. However, I would advise not to say we do copywriting. I think there is a very fine line difference between the two. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's a matter of, as a product marketer, you need to be able to read copy that has been written and assess, yep. is this telling the story that we want to say? Is this a reflection of the positioning and messaging work that we've created as a company or as a team? And if it doesn't do that, that's when I think your product marketer can step in and say, hey, this copy needs some work. And from an, an objective perspective, this is the positioning and messaging framework we all agreed upon as a company or as you know me as your consultant. Um, and this isn't being communicated here, so it needs work. I think that's a lot better than going in and saying like, oh, in my opinion, this copy could be better. Like based on what? Yeah. You need to have that framework in place. And that's what product marketers, I think, are really skilled at. Yeah, and you reminded me of another project I typically start with. Um, maybe it's a kind of a... no. Um, assumed one, but oftentimes when I start with a new client, I do an audit. So they'll send me what they have. Maybe they have a positioning doc. Maybe it's, uh, sometimes it's a positioning deck, some various slides. I will read their website. I will learn, obviously learn about their product. Um, so I'm not saying that's like a deliverable, but I think it's necessary as a consultant, kind of part of that challenge I mentioned. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a challenge, like learning the product sometimes can be harder when you are not full-time in a company, but it's more something we should expect as a consultant that you do need to kind of get up to speed pretty quick. Because let's say you have a three-month contract, which typically my contracts are three to six months, and then maybe they renew after, which is great if they do that. But you need to get up to speed. Like this company has existed prior to you and same as you would if you were full-time. Um, so you're reminding me of that when you said, we need to be able to read copy. Yes, because you're going to go there and say, all right, this is what they have for positioning. This is what they have for some of their persona documentation. But then they have this messaging on their website. Interesting. And this I've seen this a lot. I'm like, that's not consistent. Like, these are not sharing the same story. Is that intentional? Is there a reason we're not doing that? And you ask a lot of questions. So I'm glad you said that too. Yeah, and I, and I think it's often easy to tell by looking at a company's website who wrote the website copy? Was it someone from the product marketing team who was kind of just forced into translating the positioning and messaging into the website without that copywriting lens? I think you can like, just based on the words that you see used and how problems are framed, like you, I think you just look and say, oh, you know, a product marketer probably wrote that. Um, and it's typically good, but having, I think a copywriter come in and write website copy, again, much like having a content person come yeah. in to write content, just takes it to the next level. So no shade to anybody who's had to write website copy. I've done it myself yeah. um, in, in a couple of different scenarios. So I know how challenging it can be. So, totally. uh, you know, I think you've already shared some incredible advice so far, but I'm curious, do you have any, you know, specific pieces of advice for product marketers that are looking to, you know, strike out on their own and maybe go full-time freelance or maybe even spin up their own um, agency? Yeah, um, I guess I'll start with something you mentioned, risk tolerance. I think you always, whether you're doing product marketing or not, need to assess your own risk tolerance. Um, you know, I was, I was at a point in my life where I was like, okay, I'm willing to take a little bit of a risk financially. 
you know, I don't have kids of my own or, you know, a lot of responsibilities, quote unquote. Um, so financially, I mean, so, you know, I think assessing that for yourself is super important. I would say that's one. And nobody can really tell you that. You need to just kind of think about that. What I will say as far as that goes, especially financially, is I would give yourself a time frame. I told myself, okay, how long can I go? Like, what's my run rate, basically? If I have zero clients, just assuming the worst, I don't get any clients, what's my run rate? So I would think about that for yourself. Again, I can't answer that for anybody. Um, other than that, I think my only other piece of advice, except aside from what I've already mentioned, is be really specific about your deliverables. Um, when you're putting a scope together, what is an actual deliverable? And in what time frame? Show them samples of documents you've done in the past. If it's a case study, if it's a positioning doc, if it's a messaging doc. The reason I say that is I think, you know, sometimes people view consultants as this person that's kind of working over there doing this work. You don't really know what they're doing. Again, this has been equalized a bit because we're all remote. Everybody's at home. But especially as a consultant, when people know you're not full-time at the company, I think it's super important to be very, very specific. It's always worked for me to do that. And I think this was probably advice I was given, honestly. Um, it just sets the right expectations. I'd probably even say that if you weren't a product marketer. Again, I think a lot of this applies regardless of the function. but don't keep it vague. Um, you know, we're going to do positioning work for the next six months. And so what is that? What does that mean? Are you going to do persona documentation? Are you going to create a positioning document? Are you going to have this reviewed by key stakeholders? What does that review process look like? And I mean, I get into all those details in my scope. So I think those would be my, I don't think anything I missed like big that I haven't mentioned. I think those would be my bigger pieces of advice for someone just starting out, especially. Yeah. And I think that specificity is key, especially because as we've talked about several times, product marketing is a newer thing for a lot of organizations. Mm -hmm. So especially if they've never seen a positioning messaging doc, as you said, or if they, you know, assume that you're going to be doing copywriting and content generation and, 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 you know, it's it, product marketing is unlike, I think other disciplines within marketing where most people know what a demand gen campaign would look like, you know, what, what a social strategy would look like or social campaign, what, you know, again, like what, do, what uh, volume of content is going to be created? Those are kind of very much quantifiable things. A lot of what we do in product marketing isn't as quantifiable. Yeah. Um, even if you think in the context of like, a, as you suggested earlier, uh, a sales deck, how many slides are we talking? How, what yeah. to who, um, for, for how many buyer personas are we creating these, um, these decks, um, for how, what different types of customers? Like if you don't very, sorry, if you don't, um, surface those things early on and are very clear about them, I would imagine that can come back to bite you when you go to deliver and the client's expectations are way out in left field. Yes. And another, I, I fully agree. And another part of this is um, my style is over communicate, like throughout the engagement. I get on their Slack channels. I usually get an email address for them. And I ask, I say, you know, I really like to embed myself on the team. What are the tools you guys use? What are the, you know, if you're comfortable and I always sign an NDA, could I have an email address? Could I get on the calendar? That just makes our job easier, actually. I want to see what the Slack conversations are like in the sales channel. I want to see what the product managers are talking about. Um, introduce myself in those channels. Doesn't mean I'm going to meet with everybody, but I think another tip is um, embed yourself. Like you're a consultant, but especially as a product marketer, 
maybe other positions. I don't know. I don't want to name any specific functions. I'm not the expert in those functions to say whether they need to be as embedded or not. But we as product marketers have to be embedded to do a great job. Like we cannot work in a silo. So by nature, we can't be like get a project, three months, sit at our desk by ourselves and do the work. It's you're never going to do it successfully. So um, another tip I have is really embed yourself and position yourself that way that I like to be involved in the team and I want to get to know X, Y, Z people. And could I have, could I join your Slack group? No one's ever said no to me when I've said that. They actually are very happy when I say that. Um, yeah. Because they're like, Easier oh. access to you. Easier. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I mentioned that. They love that. I mean, if anything, they're like, oh, we can't, you can, you want to, you know, they're like leaning in when I say that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you have to set some boundaries if you have multiple clients with yourself. I, I don't share, you know, I have normal work hours and such, but what I mean by set boundaries is you can easily get overwhelmed. Like I have three slacks right now because I have three clients. I mean, that can get overwhelming when you're, so you just check one, you go back, check another one in the afternoon, you figure all that out for yourself, but they really like that. They like knowing you're there. They ask questions and you're not seen as this external person. So that would probably be my other piece of advice. Yeah. And I think much like product marketing, you know, when we think about where it lives within an org, it typically is at the center of a bunch of different departments, sales, product, marketing, success. So just because you don't have a formal team within that org doesn't mean you shouldn't embed yourself in the middle of all those teams as a consultant. So I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, you referenced... Um, you know, different tools that you've leveraged in your in your time um, working with clients. I'm curious, are there any specific tools you would recommend, you know, aspiring freelance uh, product marketer, you know, keep in mind or explore as they're starting to, you know, maybe take on some clients and grow their own business? Yeah. Um, two that I probably use the most business-wise are probably Miro and Canva, everybody loves Canva, but Canva is just great if you're creating, you know, your first website and you need some imagery or a business card. I mean, business card kind of laugh when I say that because I don't even know who uses business cards anymore, but, um, those are probably the two actual tools. I will also say it's not really a tool, but a resource is I, when I first started, I don't have one right now, but I think it was after I got my first client or so. I actually hired a virtual assistant. It was some advice somebody else gave me saying, look, if you're doing work that you don't need to be the one doing because your time is so valuable and your time should be spent on client work, hire a virtual assistant, $12, $15 an hour. It might be more now, but hire someone to do some of the tasks of like the business logistics. I'm talking about when you have to pay your taxes, you need someone to help you gather some information um, invoices you need to send to clients because that stuff does take time and it's time that you, you don't need to be the one spending that time is how I'm trying to say it. So my advice would be that. And then lastly, as a freelance consultant, you don't have a manager. And what I mean by that is you're, you are your own manager as far as managing your own time, your own goals. How is the business running? Where are your roadblocks? And I don't mean product marketing specific. I'm talking business specific. So I have actually hired a coach before a couple of times. I don't have one right now, but I'm open to hiring one again one day because I think a good business coach can really help guide you because um, ultimately you're a business owner and it might be the first time you're doing it. It was the first time I'm doing it. So um, yeah, I think finding a good coach and that takes time. You interview people, see who you like, et cetera 
can be a really great resource to have somebody else to bounce some of your ideas off of, which they don't have to know product marketing. I'm talking more high level business thoughts, concerns. Am I headed in the right direction? I, I don't know how many clients to get. How do I think about that? Stuff like that. So I'd recommend those types of tools or resources, I guess. No, I think that's great. And I think it kind of highlights a lot of the things that in-house product marketers often take for granted, right? When you're working at an organization, all that stuff gets taken care of by someone whose job it is to take care of those things, whether it's someone in the, the people team, whether it's someone in finance and accounting, um, whether it's your own manager working on the coaching side of things. So I think you're right. If you're going to kind of again, take a step outside and do things on your own, it's about identifying those areas and those gaps that, you know, like you said, your focus is product marketing and on the clients, making sure that they're taken care of. And all those other critical parts of keeping the business running, sometimes you need external help to do that. And I'm sure there are lots of people out there who are more than happy and have built their own businesses around providing those services to um, consultants and independent business owners. So I think that's I think that's fantastic advice. Yeah, other people have their exactly like you said they have expertise in those areas, so leverage them. And again, you may not feel comfortable doing that right when you start. You may want to get your first client financially. Obviously, coaches cost money. Virtual assistants cost money, but once you start getting going, your time should be spent on client work, finding new clients. That's your job. Um, other stuff should not have to be your job. Totally, totally. Well, it, it's crazy how quickly the, the time has gone here. We're already on my last question, and it's it's one I ask all my guests. I'll ask it a little bit differently for yourself, just given the nature of your role. Um, and that's if you could be a product marketer um, or a consultant with any company in the world for any other product or service that they offer, uh, which would you choose and why? Yeah. Um, so I, the comp I'm, I'm going to make up a company actually, maybe it exists, maybe it doesn't, but I guess my, I am answering this based on my initial instinct when I, um, thought about this question a little bit. So I've, I've always been really passionate about children and the youth and just kind of growing up, like, I don't know what, what years exactly, but formative years, let's just say. And I think there's a need for technology or a platform to help younger professionals or those that are just graduating from high school or college to gain some skills that we just never learn about. So I guess it's sort of like an educational platform, um, but we never learn anything about financial skills, relationship skills, emotional intelligence, how to network, how to find your first job. Yes, there's resources out there for these things, but I'm kind of thinking like new company. And if you know of a company that does this, I would love to know about it, but kind of like brings all that together. Maybe it's a marketplace that has all these different experts that are helping the youth with these skills that you don't learn in school. So this was like the first thing that came to my mind when you asked, which is really cool. So I didn't think about a company I know already. I just thought about what would be a really cool client or company to work for. And that's where my brain went. I love that. I think it highlights a, a problem that really does exist. And that I, I don't know many companies, or at least don't come to mind immediately, that I know are solving a similar problem. I think you're right. That's a gap in you know, the education system for, for quite some time. Are those practical life skills beyond history and science and math are obviously important things to learn. But once you're done school, the, okay, how do I be an independent human being? And how do I, how do I live a sustainable life? I think um, are critical elements to the long-term success and happiness. And you're right. Uh, it doesn't get covered in nearly the same degree or depth that it should be, I think, in, in the current education system, which is unfortunate, but an exciting business opportunity nonetheless should, should a company decide to pursue that if there aren't any already, for sure. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd love to see that. Uh, maybe I'll start it one day, but for now, there you go. For now I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One business venture at a time. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Great question. Thank you. Of course. Well, thank you so much, Shereen. It's really, I should be thanking you for your time today. This has been a great conversation. I know I can keep chatting your ear off for hours, not just about you know your own consultancy, but just product marketing in general. Um, I really like the way that you approach a lot of the problems that, you know, whether they're consultants such as themselves or just working at a, at a, at a, at a company um, that product marketers are facing. So thank you for your insights and your advice. Um, and should anybody want to reach out to you either to maybe discuss potential uh, professional engagements to pick your brain about maybe starting their own consultancy or just product marketing, you know, chat in general, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, I would say um, email or LinkedIn. I, I would love to hear from any of those groups you just mentioned. So um, I assume my name will be attached to this podcast. So LinkedIn is great. Um, and then my email is I am, and then my full name, shereenshaheen at gmail.com. But um, LinkedIn might be easier for people to find me. So yeah, thank you for asking that. Awesome. Of course. Yeah. I'm sure people will take you up on the offer to connect. So I look forward to, uh, to seeing people, you know, pick your brain and, and, and learn from you. Cause I think you've got a lot to share. So thank you so much for your time. And maybe we'll have to have you on again in a couple of years, as we said earlier, to see how the type of work you're doing has evolved as product marketing becomes more of an embedded function at uh, more and more companies. So I, uh, hopefully we can chat again soon. Yeah, I would love that. And thank you, Mark, A, for doing this podcast and for having me. I love anything that's shedding more light into our world and product marketing. So thank you again for having me here. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer, and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are.